welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to find the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. If you're new here to Mount Pisgah, our custom is to just take a book of the Bible, uh, start in chapter 1 and verse 1, and just work our way systematically through the Word of God. Now, before I get into the message today, let me just uh, say a word to you about the message. I understand it's my 10-year anniversary, and I would have loved nothing more than to bring a sugar stick sermon out and everybody walk out feeling good about themselves and just have a little spiritual pep rally and go to the house. But when you preach expositionally through the Word of God, sometimes you come to some tough passages. And on my 10th anniversary, it just happens to be one of those tough passages. But I believe God knows all and He does all things well and He's got us here for a reason uh, on this particular day. As we have walked through the book of Nehemiah, we entitled this series, Against All Odds. The people of God had been taken into Babylonian captivity. And for 70 years, they were under the rule of Babylon. And then the Persians came in and allowed the people of God to go back to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. And they have restored proper temple worship And the truth of the matter is, they accomplished that against great odds. There was great opposition against them. Both inwardly and outwardly, they dealt with opposition. And they have arrived at a place where they are celebrating what God has done. And in the first part of chapter 8, the people of God come to Ezra. And you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. They came to Ezra and they said what? Bring the book. And they desired for Ezra to stand and to read the word of God to them. And as they did that, we discovered a couple of things about these people. That they they had an appetite for the word of God. They desired to hear the word of God. Not only did we discover they had an appetite for the word of God, but we discovered they were attentive to the word of God. Ezra stood and read the word of God for some four hours. And the Bible says they were attentive to the word, but then we realized they were active in their worship. You remember Ezra tells us that they began to shout amen as he was preaching. They began to raise holy hands and worship the Lord Jesus. And I liken it to the first part of chapter eight. I liken it to them having a spiritual revival. You may even refer to it, maybe you've been to some uh, camp meetings or something like that where there's some verbiage that people might say it this way, oh, it got on. Or they may say something like, man, it was about to get out of the banks. Or they may say, I thought the roof would come off of the place. Things like that, where they're trying to express to you the, the vitality in their worship. And many times we come together and we have a spiritual pep rally. And that's exactly what happens in the first part of chapter eight. The people of God are experiencing a spiritual pep rally. But no football team has ever won a game at the pep rally. Because after the pep rally, it's time to put into practice 
what they have been taught. Ezra has just stood and read and preached the word of God unto the people. And the question becomes, how will we know that they truly believe what Ezra has preached? Let me ask you that again. How will we know that they truly believe what Ezra has preached? There's an old children's song that goes like this. We want to live pure. We want to live clean. We want to be blessed. Sweetly submitting to authority and leaving God the rest. Walking in the light, keeping our attitude right on the narrow way. For if we believe the word we receive, we will always obey. And then the little chorus goes, and you spell it, O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you... Did none of y'all learn that song when I was, when you were little? All right, y'all ready? We're going we're gonna to do it. And you spell it. Oh, how many of you, that's the first time you've ever heard that? Are you serious? I can promise you the first service is way more spiritual than y'all are because they knew that song. Y'all don't know that song? Thank you, Brother Jordan. Here's what I would submit to you this morning. Don't tell me you believe the word if you're unwilling to be obedient to its instructions. So this morning, as we travel through the rest of chapter eight, I want to preach on this subject, the very best way to show that you believe. The very best way to show that you believe. Let's stand together and honor the public reading of God's word beginning in Nehemiah chapter eight and verse eight. If you're there, say amen. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra, the priest of the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. So they've They've heard Ezra and these helpers, if you will, of Ezra proclaim the word. And the Bible says in verse 12, they understood the words that were declared unto them. Then on the second day, they were gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people and the priests and the Levites and Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord God had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. And they that should publish and proclaim it in all their cities and in Jerusalem saying, go forth under the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths 
everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts and the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Heavenly Father, as we walk through this passage this morning, teach us what it is, Holy Spirit, you would have us to learn. And God, we do pray for that touch that turns a mere mortal man into a messenger of the Almighty. May you do the work that only you can do in this place today is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the people of God have gathered together. They are listening to Ezra expound the word. And we said that once they understood the word, and we'll get into that more in just a moment, they needed to not simply be hearers of the word, but they needed to become doers of the word. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it this way in James chapter 1 and verse 22, when he admonished us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man that's behold his natural face in a glass, for he beholds himself and goes his way, straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You see, to hear the word and then to disregard what it teaches causes us to find ourselves in a dangerous place. For the best way to demonstrate your belief is through your behavior. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, we must understand and determine what the authority in our life is going to be. You see, the authority in my life is not my feelings, because if I allow my feelings to be my authority, my feelings sometimes get fickle and, and, and I waver to and fro and back and forth. But for the child of God, we must determine that the word of God is what our authority is going to be. And if the word says it's right, then it's right. And if the word says it's wrong, then it's wrong. And establish the fact that the authority in our life is going to be the word of God. In the text that we just read, Ezra has stood and preached the word of God. And the question is, what kind of impact will it have on their daily living? So we're going to discover this morning the very best way to show that you believe. I have two simple points this morning. And I just have two points. But in my two points, I really desire not to have what they call a longhorn sermon. You know what a longhorn sermon is? It's a sermon with two points and a whole lot of bull in between. <laughs> we'll try to avoid that this morning. So number one, we have the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word. Ezra has just opened up the book. And along with these men that helped proclaim the word, the message has been preached. Look at verse eight. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly, gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. I love Ezra. He just stood up and proclaimed the word of God. I love bold biblical preaching because I believe bold biblical preaching will not leave you in neutral. 
Bold biblical preaching demands that you make a decision. You remember Joshua when he stood before the people. Some were worshiping Baal. Some were worshiping God. And Joshua stood up and he said this, choose you this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, how long are you going to continue to halt between two opinions? How long are you going to be hot, cold, in, out, up, down? How long are you going to just continue to go through the motions? Joshua said, you better decide which sides you're on and, and let God be God. And that's what Ezra is going to do. He is going to share with them, cause them to become uh, people that understand the word of God. And the question is going to become after the preaching of the word, how would they respond? Number one, as we consider the preaching of the word, there was conviction. There was conviction. As we walk through this text, we'll notice that this is the first day of the seventh month. And that commemorates the beginning of many different holy days during that seventh month. And if I get hung up right there, I'll stay right there the rest of the sermon. But there are many holy days that happen at the beginning of this seventh month. But as they heard the word on that first day, the Bible says they began to weep they began to mourn. They began to be grieved. What was happening? Well, we know based on the second half of chapter 18 that they had not been doing the things that they should have been doing. And they were learning through the preaching of Ezra what they should be doing. And they came to the conclusion that they had not been obedient to the word. And it caused conviction to set in. And listen, conviction is a good thing. When, when, when the word of God is preached and the word of God is proclaimed, when the Holy Spirit comes by and begins to convict you of things in your life that either should be there that are not or things that should not be there that are, that's a good thing. And so the people of God found themselves broken over their sin and brokenness over their sin is a good sign that revival is about to happen. Many of us are, 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 are embarrassed sometimes by our sin and sin sometimes is embarrassing because it, it just impacts a lot of people negatively sometimes. But the truth is, is when God puts his finger on something in our life that we need to deal with, one of the greatest things you'll ever do is begin to deal with it and be broken over over our sin. They began to grieve. They began to mourn. They began to weep over their sin because conviction had been brought upon their hearts by the preaching of the word of God. Psalm 119 says this, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Now John in the gospels said it this way. Now you are clean through the what? through the word which I have spoken unto you. So Ezra stands to preach. And as he is standing to preach, the people fall under conviction. So there was conviction, but then there was also celebration. You know, when you get right with God, there's nothing quite like that. When you know there's, a, there's, there's, Sweet fellowship between you and the Lord. Let me just let me just ask you, married men. You know, you ever you ever uh, go through a time when your fellowship ain't quite as sweet as it has been in days gone by? Thank you, Dale. Got one honest husband in here. Yes, 
right? I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all ain't quite on the same page. And, and, and that just kind of gets a little tricky around the house. You don't know whether you should speak or shouldn't speak or go to your room. You, you don't know. And it's just kind of... And then when you admit that you've done wrong, <laughs> forgiveness happens and then restoration happens and that fellowship is restored isn't that a good feeling? When, when, even if it's a friend or whatever, and there's been some difficulty, maybe some misunderstanding, and, and man, you've, you've, uh, you, you've got some tension inside a relationship, and then when that gets taken care of, isn't that, isn't that quite a blessing, amen? And, and that's what these folks are experiencing, man. There was conviction. They were broken over their sin. But then Ezra reminds them, today's a day of celebration, Today is a day of celebration. The day of atonement is coming, but for today, let's set it aside. It's almost like when you're upset with your children, you can set that aside for just a little while to celebrate Christmas, right? I mean, you and your wife having just a little bit of a misunderstanding, you can set that aside long enough to go have a nice anniversary dinner, right? We can set that aside in order to celebrate. They experienced conviction, got right with God, and then Ezra said, this is a time to Celebrate. So there's the preaching of the word. And the preaching of the word brings conviction and it brings celebration. Secondly, notice with me, not only the preaching of the word, but the power of the word. There's several things I want us to notice as we walk through verses 13 through 18. Notice with me, first of all, there was a desire for the word. I said earlier that they had an appetite for the word and that's going to become visible to us again here in verse 13. Notice verse 13 with me. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people. Ezra the day before stood up and read the word and preached for some four hours. They experienced conviction, celebration, now it's the next day. And if you had listened to me preach for four hours yesterday, would you come back today to hear some more? I'd still be, Dale, well, you, Dale, I'll see you in the altar in just a minute. You ain't coming back listening to me after four hours, Dale. You remember when there was a time in your life you couldn't get enough? I mean, you just can't get enough of the word of God. And they so desired to, to hear the word of God and to understand and to learn the word of God. Now, here's what we got to remember. Many of these folks had just spent 70 years in Babylonian captivity. So they had not gotten to observe all of the feasts and the festivals while, while they were there in Babylonian captivity. And they are mesmerized. It's almost like they got a little bit and man, they want to learn the word of God. I would encourage you this morning, if you wake up in the morning and there's no appetite for the word of God, I'd check up. I, listen, I wake up every morning and I have an appetite for a Chick-fil-A biscuit and I, I'll take one any morning of the week. But if I don't wake up with an appetite for the word of God, something is hindering my fellowship with the word of God. Because when I got saved and according to the 
Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter five, Jesus said this, for those that are saved by God's grace, they begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I have a hunger and a thirst in my soul for the word of God. And I wanna challenge you this morning. If you don't have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God, just do what the people of God did. Just, just pay attention to the preaching. Go ahead and read a little bit on your own. And I believe it'll whet your appetite and you'll want some more and some more and some more. There was a desire for the word. They were, they were hungry for the word. But notice, secondly, there was some discovery in the word. They discovered some things as Ezra was preaching and as they were studying. Watch this. Verse 14. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in the booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all of their cities. So as Ezra standing and preaching, they heard about some of the things that they should be doing. And so the question becomes, if they know what they should be doing, in just a moment, we'll answer, what then did they do? But you and I in our own life, as we study the word of God, as we sit in small groups and study the word together, as we hear preaching and we pray on a daily basis, we begin to discover those things that we should be doing in our own lives. It's found there in verse 14 and again in verse 15 of the things that they should be doing. However, when we discover what we should be doing, it should impact how we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Because where the rubber meets the road is now that they've discovered what they should do, the question is, what are they going to do? Because many of us know things that we should do. Many of us know things that we should not do. We know we should be people of prayer. We know we should be people that are in the book on a daily basis. We know we should be people that easily offer forgiveness. We know we should be people that are givers. We know we should be people that walk the talk. We know we should be people that are winning people to Jesus. We know we should be people that abstain from the consumption of beverage alcohol. We know we should be people that are faithful to our spouse. We know we should be people that are a uniter in the church and not a divider. We should be people that walk in humility. We should be people that obey our parents. We should be people that gather together on the Lord's day and we should teach our kids about the statutes of the Lord. And the people of God discovered what they should be doing in the word. And the question now becomes, now that they know what they should be doing, what will they do? I remember I got a dear friend of mine here this morning. He's the only man I ever worked for. Paul. Worked for him my whole life. I remember we were there at Heritage Healthcare and we were contracting out therapy services, man, and we needed to discover, we had people spread out all over the country and we got to figure out what they're doing, right? We need to know how many hours they're working versus how many hours are they billing? Anybody picking up what I'm putting down right there? All right, so we got this new computer system, okay? Got this new computer system. And man, people were putting their stuff in on a little phone, man, and I could see it in real time. I was like, man, this is awesome. I can see how many hours you worked, Stephen, and I can see how much billable time you had, and then I can figure out if we're having any profitability from here. 
And I remember, I'll never forget this, going to Paul's office and I was like, man, you, this is awesome. I can see everything. And he asked me this question. All right, you have all the information. You got all the information you need. What you gonna do with it? Because if we just sat around the office and talked about all the information that we had, it was of no value. They got all the information they need. They know exactly what they should be doing. But the question becomes, what are they going to do? Let me ask you a question. You got any doubts about what you should be doing on the daily as a born-again, blood-bought believer? You should be in the Word on a daily basis. You should be a person of prayer on a daily basis. You should be a person that is set apart from the rest of the world. You should be a person that has been called out from among them. There ought to be some difference between us and the culture that is surrounding us because we can only have an impact if we are different from the rest of the world. So they discovered what they should be doing in the Word. There was desire for the Word. There was discovery for the Word, but then there was their duty to the word. So specific to this holy day, they've been told in verses 14 and 15 that they should, what they should be doing is making booths as it is written. And what this did is commemorated the release of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. They had been in slavery for some 400 years there in the brick pits of, of Egypt. And on this holy day, they would celebrate the miracle that God did as he brought them out of those 400 years of bondage through the blood of the lamb. And they, as they came out, they then found themselves hemmed in by the by the, by the land and they found themselves on the brink of the Red Sea. And you know the story, God splits the Red Sea and they walk over on dry ground. And this was supposed to be a, a celebration of the fact that, that God was a, a God of deliverance and a God of protection and a God of provision. And they discovered what their duty was. And in verse 16, watch this. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves Booze. Look at verse 17. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of captivity made booze. You know what they did? They did exactly what the word of God told them to do. They, they were absolutely obedient to what God had called them to do. You see, the very best way to show that you believe is to obey. There was a desire for the word. There was a discovery in the word. There was their duty to the word. And then finally, there was delight in the word. Watch with me what happens in verse 17. So they discovered what they should be doing. They've now been obedient to what they should be doing. And watch what happens. All the congregation of them that will come again out of the captivity made booths sat under the booths, and since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto this day, had not the children of Israel done so. Watch this last sentence. And there was what? There was great gladness. There was great gladness. You want to experience joy unspeakable? 
You want to experience the joy that only comes from the Lord, the gladness that comes from God? Get in this precious book and then be obedient to what God tells you to do. There could be some things in our, in our lives today that we should be doing that we are not doing. We call those sins of omission. Many of us have things that we probably should be doing that we have not yet found ourselves doing. Could be today there's sin of commission. There's things you're doing that you know you should not be doing. And the Lord brought you here today to just be confronted with the word because God's not mad at you. He's not over in heaven with some big paddle waiting to pop you over the head every time you step out of line. He loves you. And he says, if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's pretty simple, really. And that fellowship with the Lord can be quickly restored when we find ourselves in a place of obedience. The very best way to show that you believe is in the way that you behave. Because you'll either change your belief to match your behavior or you'll change your behavior to match your beliefs. And when these folks became obedient to the word, there was joy unspeakable. The hymn writer said it this way, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The very best way to show that you believe is to be a person that is obedient to the Word of God. So the question is this. When we're confronted with the Word, how do we respond? Now, I've been doing this here for, as you know, 10 years. And I'm very aware that when you preach a sermon like this that says, are there things you should be doing that you're not doing? Are there things that you should not be doing that you're doing? Maybe you just need to spend some time in the altar with the Lord. I've been doing this long enough to know that when you give that kind of invitation, nobody's coming. Because if I go forward during this type of invitation, people are gonna think I've sinned. Well, welcome to the club, man. For the Bible says we are all what? Sinners and we are all guilty. And since I've been saved, I've had to get right with God for sin that's in my own life. You know what I have found that when that happens, when I get right with God and I, be, I begin to walk in obedience again, I experience gladness. And let me close with this. It's my desire 
that this fellowship have a greater impact in this community than we've ever had before for the cause of Christ. Not so we can put more people here, but so we can make an impact for eternity. The only way we can do that is to behave the way we say we believe. The only way we can reach a world that needs the good news of Jesus Christ is to be obedient to the statutes that we know are in the Word of God. So you may be here today and you've never been saved by God's amazing grace. You've never called on Christ for salvation. Let me give you the greatest story that's ever been told. You see, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. And that's not necessarily speaking of physical death, although we will all die one day. But when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, what that means is eternal separation from God Almighty in a place called hell. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in our sin debt, we owed a payment we couldn't pay. It was our death. And it had to be the death of a perfect person. And we're not a perfect person because the scriptures already told us that we have fallen short of the glory of God for we're sinners, right? But in our sin, Jesus came and lived a perfect life. And he became our perfect sacrifice. Dying on the old rugged cross there on Calvary's hill. He died the death that we should have died. But three days later, up from the grave, he arose. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father, even now making intercession for you and for me. And here's what the scripture says, that if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. That's the greatest story ever told, is that there is a place called heaven. And the way to get there is through this man named Jesus. If you need to experience salvation today, I'll be here at the front. Phil will be here. Colin will be over here. But we are just asking you to come. Put your hand in ours and just say, I need to be saved. We would love to show show you how you can leave today knowing heaven is your home. And then for the child of God, we've had a spiritual pep rally for quite a while. And coming off of a spiritual pep rally, the question becomes, We're going to live out what we say we believe. Let's go live it out and make a difference for the cause of Christ. As we stand to our feet, we have a song of invitation. If you need to pray, you need to find a place of prayer, you need to do business with the Lord, could be that you've got a loved one that you need to come and lift up to the Lord Jesus. Whatsoever he says unto you during these moments, you do it. Come as we sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.